0: Webster defines crunch time as a critical moment or period, like the end of a game, when decisive action is needed. Every sports fan knows this time in the game. Your palms sweat a little bit more, your heart races just a little bit faster, and you live and die with every play until the final seconds tick off the clock and you're either celebrating a victory or disappointed by the defeat. The team at CrunchTime Sports Advantage Network understands just how critical these moments are. For us, it begins as soon as the next set of games are on the board. We evaluate the opening lines and any breaking news throughout the week. We cover each game inside and out, whether it's from inside the locker room to a huddle down on the field, the court, or the ice. We take you inside the meeting room with scouts, coaches, and executives. We have our fingers on the pulse of all the sports that we cover, the National Hockey League, NBA, college basketball, college football, and the National Football League. We are the CrunchTime Sports Advantage Network and we're here to help you find your sports advantage. After all the data has been crunched, we then turn it over to Kenneth for the best analysis around. His unique perspective in both understanding the data and how it applies to the game and how you win is the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. Are you ready? The Crunch Time Jet is fueled and ready for takeoff, and the Crunch Time Express is about to leave the station. Your VIP pass has been approved, so all aboard.
1: ladies and gentlemen we are here and we are live it is the college football playoffs and we got four tremendous teams two big time matchups coming in thank you to my amazing team my mentor uh billy our senior handicapping and betting analyst our host summer who does a tremendous job Glad to have her um, on site there in New Orleans as she gets ready to cover the Washington and Texas game um, as a part of her other duties, but um, so glad that she could um, get set up and, and set up the intro. And our newest team member, Jessica, who is out there in beautiful Pasadena, California, getting ready to cover this game that I'm gonna start with here in just a moment the Alabama Crimson Tide, and the Michigan Wolverines. They've already set set the scene for me, so I'm just going to get right into it. So in part one, um, I talked about each team, their accounting stats, Um, how did they do uh, throughout the year. I then dove into how they stacked up in close games, went a little bit deeper. Into how they stacked up against our top 25 because that's important because those are the types of teams that you're going to face in the college football playoffs. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, please go back and um, take a listen um, because there's a lot of good stuff in there that will hopefully set the scene for where I'm about to go right now. Let's start with the number 1 overall seed, the Michigan Wolverines. Now, we know that this t- that this team only played two um top 25 opponents as far as how we set our top 25. But make no mistake, this team is battle tested as they close the season with two of those Top 25 games as they make the trip up to Happy Valley, got a 24 to 15 win against Penn State, and then a couple of weeks later in the showdown with Ohio State, getting that win 30 to 24. Let's talk about the head coach head coach of the Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh. This team, despite their head coach missing six games this year. Has been buttoned up from the start. If there's anything you can say about the Wolverines coming into this matchup, is they don't beat themselves. I've said it before on numerous shows that I've been on, different spaces I've been on. This team does not beat themselves, whether it's penalties, whether it's turnovers. And that's a credit to both Jim Harbaugh and his staff there at Michigan. And it's one of the big reasons why they find themselves in this ball game. Players to watch for the Michigan Wolverines and this is going to be important that we get into this because if Michigan is going to get their first win in the college football playoffs, it is imperative that some key players step up big time in this ball game against Alabama. And let's start right there with the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback position, J.J. McCarthy. Now, when we look at their stats versus our top 25 teams and especially the Penn State game, we know that McCarthy was injured in that ball game. So you saw Michigan lean heavily on the run game, and that kind of skews their stats as far as when we look at our offensive breakdown for the Michigan Wolverines against high-quality opponents. So you're going to see Michigan's uh, runs per game skewed. You're going to see their rushing yards skewed, their yards per rush skewed. But that's not to say that Michigan cannot find success against Alabama's rush defense. In those two games, Michigan's run ratio to pass ratio is about 75% run, 25% pass. But if we dive a little bit deeper and the best indicator of what this Michigan Wolverine team will look like, let's just only take a quick peek at how they did against Ohio State as far as that breakdown goes, because I think that's going to give you a little bit more intel. In that ball game against Ohio State, Michigan ran the ball 39 times, only attempted 21 pass plays. And the one big pass that Michigan hit in that ball game was not off of the arm of J.J. McCarthy. It was off of Donovan Edwards throwing it for 34 yards, setting up Blake Coram for a um, touchdown score. So we know that Michigan is going to want to run the ball in this ball game. And I'm going to get right here to one of the keys. Michigan, your first key is to remain true to yourself, but be different. Growing up, I I used to love watching the Final Four, and nobody did a better job of giving you the keys to victory like Billy Packard when he was the color analyst for so many years for CBS along with Jim Nance. Billy would give you those keys to victory for all four teams in the Final Four. That's what I'm hoping to do here for you all listening today. Michigan. You have to break your tendency to want to run on first down in this ball game. You're going to need to use a variation of personnel grouping as well as formations as well as pass route combinations. You've had a month to get ready for this ball game you have to show something throughout this game that breaks a tendency. You did it against Ohio State with Donovan Edwards throwing that pass. You're going to have to do that probably a couple of times here in this ball game against Alabama. Let's take a look at the running backs and the two running backs of note for Michigan, everybody knows the names, Blake Corm comes into this game with 218 rush attempts, 1,028 yards, averaging 4.7 yards per rush, 24 rushing touchdowns. Now, what we're seeing out of Blake Corm is a running back who is not breaking the long explosive runs. But when he's down by the goal line, there is not a running back in these four on these four teams that are better at punching it in from short distance than Blake Corm. Once I give you Donovan Edwards' numbers, that's going to lead me into key number two. Donovan Edwards on the season has. 109 rush attempts for only 328 yards, 3.5 yards per rush attempt. His longest rush this year is 22 yards, and he only has three rushing touchdowns. It is imperative that we see a little bit more production in this phase for Donovan Edwards, who has 30 receptions, 249 yards, 8.3 yards per reception. His longest reception is 37 yards. He has no receiving touchdowns. So key number two, Michigan. Can you give me some 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers, but motion Donovan Edwards into the slot to where now it looks like it's a modified 11 personnel. Donovan Edwards in this ball game is going to have to mirror a performance that this stadium is used to seeing from Southern Cal and that's Reggie Bush. Not saying he has to be Reggie Bush, but he has to be able to threaten that Alabama's second level of defense, those linebackers, get them into a matchup to where if Alabama does not sub out and go to a nickel package where you have five defensive backs on the field, if they're going to stay in base, Donovan Edwards shift out because what has given Alabama problems is wide receivers running wheel routes either out of the backfield or out of a modified H-back formation where they're not lined up on the line of scrimmage, but maybe a lot, a yard or so off the line of scrimmage, and running a wheel route up the sideline, getting matched up on a linebacker. If Donovan Edwards can get Chris Braswell, Alabama's talented linebacker, into coverage 15, 20 yards down the field, that's an advantage for Michigan. Michigan, you're going to need to use Edwards in a multitude of ways in this ballgame. Folks, Donovan Edwards is going to need to get – I'm going to set it at five receptions, 75 yards, that's 12.5 yards per reception, and he's gonna probably need to get a receiving touchdown. And here's why Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, the two wide receivers, primary wide receivers for the University of Michigan, are at a mismatch against the Alabama Corners. Terry Arnold and Kool Aid McKinstry are projected to be first-round picks in next year's April's draft. So you're not going to have an advantage as far as your wide receivers being better than the Alabama corners. So you're going to need your tight ends, whether it's A.J. Barner, Colston Loveland, to give you something that Alabama has not seen where you may go two tight ends, one running back, 12 personnel. but you're gonna flex one of those tight ends out and try to sneak him on a tight end up and, up and up and out route or or something to that effect to where you're you're hoping where JJ can hit a shot plate. Speaking of shot plays, that leads me into key number three. The University of Michigan is going to have to have no less than four shot plays in this contest. A shot play is anything over 25 yards or a key turnover in plus territory, which is on Alabama side of the ball. If you go back to the Ohio State game, very early in the first quarter, Ohio State throws an INT, sets Michigan up in short field. Black Corn punches it in, gives Michigan a 7-0 lead in the first quarter. Michigan never trails in the rest of that ball game. Michigan has to dictate the terms of how this game is played. That leads me into key number three. Count the number of possessions and do not include uh, anything at the end of the first half where neither team looks like they're trying to score, where they're just basically taking the knee and trying to run out the clock. Count the number of possessions in this ball game. If Michigan has nine possessions in this ball game, Advantage Michigan. If it gets up to 12, 13, 14 possessions in this ball game, Advantage Alabama. The reason for that is, If Michigan is playing from behind, they're going to have to throw the ball more, which is going to lead to more possessions in this ballgame. Michigan plays better when they play from in front. They're able to dictate the pace, and they're able to dictate the terms of how the game is played. Look no further than, once again, the Ohio State game. Once Michigan gets the lead, Michigan is able to stay with the run game and not have to go to the passing game nearly as much. If Michigan is forced to throw the ball more than 27 times in this ball game, that's not a recipe for Michigan because that means they're playing from behind. JJ is having to throw it more and he's throwing into tight windows, and it's going to eliminate the ability to, to run the ball and dictate the, the pace of this game. Key number four. And you can make this key number one. Has Michigan been able to prepare for the speed and power of Jalen Milroy in this ball game, the talented quarterback for the University of Alabama who is playing with as much confidence at the quarterback position as any quarterback in these playoffs. Now, talking to some Michigan fans over the past few weeks, Michigan believes that they have a quarterback on campus who could simulate a lot of what Jalen Milroy does, Alex Orgerai. Here's the only problem with that. You're getting him ready during bowl game prep. You're not doing a lot of hitting leading up to the bowl game prep. You're doing your install. You're doing your your walkthrough. You're doing your, your situational prep as far as third and short where you're going to go for it on fourth down depending on where you're at at the field you're working on your red zone package you're working on your goal line package so you're not doing what we call a lot of live practice work at this point with these teams being in pasadena they may have one maybe two, what we call full contact sessions at this point because each coach is trying to get his best players to that game on Monday afternoon completely healthy. Alex may be able to simulate the size of Milroy, maybe even simulate the speed, but what he can't simulate is The game reps that Milroy has gotten over these last 12-plus weeks of college football, where he's been the starter, QB1 at Alabama, and playing with that level of confidence, that drive against Auburn, that entire game against Georgia in the SEC title game, when you're playing with that air of confidence, or what I call a Cam Newton effect when he was at Auburn, got something you can't simulate. You can't simulate the, the confidence that he has thrown to his talented wide receivers. Or if he sees the play break down, he knows exactly when he's going to take off and run or when he's going to look to try to roll out and buy time to hit one of those wide receivers streaking across the middle and getting one of those shot plays that I talk about. The shock plays that I referenced a little bit earlier where I said Michigan had to hit at least three or four of those. Michigan's got to get a turnover in this ballgame. That's a shock play. A blocked punt, that counts as a turnover. A blocked field goal, that counts. Anything that takes points off the board for Alabama. But here's also a shock play a big kickoff return for over 25 yards, a big, re- a big punt return for over 25 yards. Anything to shorten the field for Michigan. We talked about the halfback pass from Donovan Edwards in the Ohio State game. That's a shock play, ladies and gentlemen. So Michigan's got to hit at least four of those in this in this contest. And finally, and we have to talk about it because it's relevant, where's Jim Harbaugh's head at right now? I'm not talking about the NCAA investigation. I'm talking about his flirtation with the NFL. I can confirm that Jim Harbaugh's representatives have already talked with the Los Angeles Chargers about their head coaching position. That's why you saw the snippet of Harbaugh talking about he's ready to sign a long-term contract, gave out the terms of the contract, and even having a clause in there saying that he could not leave for the NFL for at least one year because this has been a recurring theme for the last three years with Coach Harbaugh. Has that played a factor in their two in the college football playoffs? I'll say this, it hasn't helped. Let's flip our attention over to the Alabama Crimson Tide. The Tide come in playing with a ton of confidence in this ballgame. After beating, because I won't call it an upset, after beating the University of Georgia in the SEC title game, 27 to 24. And that's going to lead me into our first key to victory for the University of Alabama. I talked about Jalen Milroy playing with a ton of confidence right now, uh, leading into the college football playoffs. Milroy on the season. 171 completions, 261 attempts. Good for about 65.5% completion percentage. 2718 yards passing. But folks, listen to this number. 10.4 yards per attempt. That is huge. That means he's able to not only push the ball down the field, but also able to hit his wide receivers in stride to gain more yards after the catch. 23 passing touchdowns, six INTs. We talked about that in part one. Jason McCullen, McCull- running back for Alabama, 166 rush attempts, 803 yards rushing, 4.8 yards per carry, six rushing touchdowns. His running mate in the backfield, who you'll see a lot of in this ball game. Roy Dale Williams, 110 rush attempts, 561 yards, 5.1 yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns. And, of course, Jalen Milroy, we're going to throw his rushing numbers in there. 140 rushing attempts, and, and folks, this includes all the sacks that he's taken as well. 468 yards rushing, 3.3 yards per rushing attempt, 12 rushing touchdowns. Alabama gets down by the goal line the brotherly shove that we see Jalen Hurts, a former Alabama quarterback doing at Philadelphia. Alabama put that package in a couple of weeks ago, gave a little preview of it. Alabama also has two other plays that they they will run off of that. So if Alabama decides to go for it on fourth and one, or even third and one by midfield. Alabama has two pass plays and two additional run plays that Tommy Reese has already installed. They've been working on it all season that they are ready to unleash somewhere in the playoff if necessary. Be on the lookout for that. Michigan you ask the question i'm now going to give you the answer here's key number one do you know who alabama's number one wide receiver is going into this ball game if you do not understand who's alabama's number one wide receiver in this ball game you are already playing from behind now you look at the receiving yards you look at the yards per Per reception, you look at the the, the passing uh, touchdowns, you would say Jermaine Burden is their, their number one wide receiver. Jermaine Burden on the season has 35 receptions, 777 yards, 22.2 yards per catch, eight passing touchdowns. Ladies and gentlemen, Jermaine Burden is not Alabama's number one wide receiver. It's Isaiah Bond, Isaiah Bond has 44 receptions. Most of those coming here late in the second half of the season. 621 yards, 14.1 yards per attempt. Four receiving touchdowns, including that big uh, one that they call the grave digger against Auburn to send Alabama into the SEC championship game with only one loss. Michigan, when Alabama wants to go deep, when Alabama's looking for the shot play against their defense, it's Jermaine Burden. But when Alabama needs a big play to move the chains to get into scoring position, Isaiah Bond is the number one target. If Jermaine Burton hits you for two receptions over the top and sets Alabama up in prime real estate, that's not a good course of action for the University of Michigan in this ballgame. Alabama will absolutely take deep shots in this ballgame, and they will take them in the first quarter because Alabama is going to try to dictate to you the pace of the game. Alabama, Nick Saban, Kevin Steele, and Tommy Reese all know if they can get a double-digit lead in the first quarter or the first half. Similar to what TCU did in this contest a year ago last year, where they were up by multiple scores in the first half, and Michigan could never get control of that game. If Alabama has you down by 10 or 13 in the first half, Michigan's offense is not set up to come from behind. Alabama's going to use a multitude of formations in this ball game. They're going to use motion. They're going to use Amari Nyblock. They're going to use Kobe Prentice. They're going to use Kendrick Law in a multitude of formations where Alabama's going to go four wide, and sometimes even five wide receivers in an empty personnel package to where it's going to create a light box, a light box, six defenders or less within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Alabama's going to see that, and that's going to be an invitation for Jalen Milroy to take off and run, especially when you see Alabama get up around their 40-yard line to Michigan's 40 what we call the center of the field. Alabama's going to look to exploit Milroy's arms and legs to get a big play to set Alabama up in the prime real estate in this contest. Key number two for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We've seen you over the second half of the season while the struggle against Texas a to struggle a little bit against Tennessee, but since the bye week after the Tennessee game, we've seen this Alabama, and we're, we're taking out the Chattanooga game here. This Alabama offense has averaged in those four contests against LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, and Georgia, 36.3 points per game. This offense is clicking on all cylinders, and here's another stat for you. Jalen Milroy in those four games, completing 63% of his passes. But here's the crazy stat. He's averaging almost 239 yards passing in those contests. If Alabama is able to get control of this game early, That votes very well for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's move on to key number two for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we're going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball here, where Kevin Steele is going to be matched up against a fantastic offensive play caller for for Michigan and um, Sharon, um, Sharon Moore. Caleb Downs, per Nick Saban, is one of the best freshman players he's coached at the University of Alabama. Folks, when I heard that, it got me sitting up in my chair a little bit differently. When you think about some of the names who have started at, the defensive back position, whether it's corner or safety, that's the position group that Nick Nick coaches. For him to say Caleb Downs may be the best freshman that he's coached. I'm going to give you a couple of names that have started for Nick Saban. You take a look at where they were drafted. Drake Kirkpatrick first round pick, Cincinnati. You're talking about Mika Fitzpatrick, first round pick, Pittsburgh Steelers. Eddie Jackson, only reason he wasn't a first round pick because he broke his leg, went to the Chicago Bears. That's the caliber of player that Caleb Downs is. And when we look at how he's going to be used in this matchup, Caleb Downs is going to be both in the deep secondary as well as playing down in the box. You're going to see Alabama's other safety or Playing the star position, Malachi Moore matched up with whoever the running back is for Michigan. If it's Donovan Edwards, he's gonna take him out of the out of the backfield. If it's Blake Corm, he's gonna shift down into the box and be that eighth, eighth guy in the box. And that's going to free Caleb Downs to kind of be what I call a joker, where he's going to be roving um, deep third. He's going to he's going to come up. He may cover a tight end uh, going out in the flat. And he would definitely come up and body rock you as far as a running back um, on a tall sweep because he reads his keys extremely well. He leads Alabama with 99 tackles on the season. So he's the big playmaker when it comes to the players out of the secondary. on Arnold has rocketed up the draft boards to where he's now projected to be a first round pick. He and along with Kool-Aid McKinstry are going to be able to match up extremely well against these wide receivers for Michigan, so Alabama's not going to have to worry about double covering any of those wide receivers. Next key for the University of Alabama, you have one of the most, if not, well, actually now he is the most prolific field goal kicker in college football history, Will Riker. Riker is 20-for-23, converting 87% of his field goals this year. Perfect on extra points. Now, both kickers in this ballgame are are absolutely fantastic. The same can be said for both punters. But if you have to have a kicker make a big-time kick, it's one thing to do it in the regular season. Will Riker has, has actually had to do it in the college football playoffs before, so that experience bodes extremely well for him. The next key for the University of Alabama is you have a coaching advantage in this ballgame, and that's no disrespect to Jim Harbaugh and what he's accomplished at the University of Michigan, but there would never be a day as long as Nick Saban is on the sideline to where When he looks across the field at any head coach, he does not have the coaching advantage. He has been in this particular particular matchup as far as the, the first round of the college football playoffs more than any head coach. So he knows how to get his team ready whether it's the BCS or now the college football playoffs. Alabama has to find their running game with whether it's a healthy Jace McCullen or Rordell Williams in this ballgame. It's not about the yards. It's about the rush attempts. Key for Alabama, if you can get to your average, which is 38 rush attempts against our top 25, if you can get to 134 yards rushing in this ball game, that votes very well for the Alabama Crimson Tide. On the flip side, your rush defense, can you remain true to some of the rush attacks that you faced this year in Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia? even going back to the week two matchup against Texas. In those six contests against our top 25, you've given up on average 107.5 yards per game, 3.3 yards per carry. If you're able to hold the University of Michigan, who their DNA is being able to run the ball, feather in your cap, Michigan is going to get some rushing, some rush yards in this ball game. But can you keep that yards per per carry under 3.5 yards per carry? Can you force Michigan into a higher volume pass game? If so, that bodes, bodes very well for the University of Alabama. Final point in this ball game, before we switch over to the, the next matchup between Texas and Washington. Who's going to be the player that gives you production in this ballgame that you aren't expecting? For Alabama, I'm going to give you one guy to watch out for in this ballgame. Haven't seen a lot of production for, from him over the over the past few games. But as a sophomore, this could be the game that he he's primed to kind of be able to where when all the attention is focused on the other two wide receivers. Could you get something from Kobe Prentice? number 6 in this ball game. He's likely going to be matched up with Michigan's third corner in this ball game. If Alabama's able to hit him on a dagger route or deep in cut and he's able to break it for 40 or 50 yards, that could be detrimental to Michigan. For Michigan in this ball game. You haven't shown it all year. This is the this is the time to break it out. I would use that backup quarterback, Alex Orgy, in a package to where I get him on the field and I run some kind of trick play using his athletic ability in this ball game. Whether it's a double pass, whether it's some kind of off-script play to where you can get one of those chunk plays in this ball game. I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup and look forward to seeing how this game plays out. Now for the night camp. They're in beautiful New New Orleans, Louisiana. The Texas Longhorns versus the Washington Huskies. For Texas, you come into this ball game off a fairly comfortable win against Oklahoma State. Your quarterback Quinn Ewers, locked and loaded, ready ready, ready to go, has already announced that he's coming back next year to try improve his draft stock going into the twenty twenty five NFL draft. thought it was a good move for him. Malik Murphy is already transferred out, so he's not going to be available in this ball game if Quinn Ewers gets hurt. that means Arch Manning would be the backup quarterback if something was to happen to Quinn Ewers. Manning, virtually no stats worth mentioning in in this season. He's thrown the ball five times, completed two of them for 30 yards. So you don't have the experience that Murphy would have provided you had he not entered the transfer portal and um, – found his way at the University of Duke. So, if Quinn Ewers does get nicked up in this ball game, you're going to have to turn it to, to Manning, who hasn't had the snaps, who haven't had the reps. That's going to be important to, to, to keep in mind during this ballgame. Quinn Ewers on the season, 11 games, 249 completions, 351 attempts, about 71% completion percentage, 3,161 yards, nine yards per attempt, 21 passing touchdowns, six INTs. The Michigan rushing attack. I mean, this team, believe it or not, loves to run the ball. In their four games against our top 25, Michigan is basically 50-50 as far as Uh, run pass go. Michigan, I'm sorry, Texas. Texas is basically 50-50 in in this ballgame. Texas like to run the ball about 53% of the time, throwing it 47% of the time. Where this team struggles, this team struggles on third down. And I'm going to get to that key here in just a moment. Uh, looking at the uh, the running backs for the Longhorns, they're down their their talented running back Jonathan Brooks, who who suffered a significant injury uh, late in the season. So they're down to C.J. Baxter, Keelan Robinson, and Jaden Blue. Can Michigan still get that run production that we've seen seen throughout the entire season? Now, against Oklahoma State, not a worry there. 40 rush attempts, 198 yards rushing, 5 yards per rush attempt, aided by that 57-yard run by Robinson, and three rushing touchdowns. McQueen Ewers was the story in that ballgame against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. Throwing for five, I'm sorry, 452 yards, four touchdowns, one INT. The talented wide receivers for the University of Texas. Whittington, Worthy, Sanders, and Mitchell. This combination is absolutely lethal, and they can hit you from all over the field. Taking a look at. Michigan's numbers against our top 25. Michigan averaged 323 yards passing through the air, 8.7 yards per attempt. But here's the biggie. 13 yards per pass completion. Wide receivers getting down the field, making some yards after the catch. But this this Texas and pardon me, guys, for keep saying Michigan. I'm looking at looking at um, the bottom of the script here. Texas averages 40 rush attempts for over 207 yards per game against our top 25, five yards per carry. But where I said they struggle, and here's a key for Texas against our top 25. on third down against a Husky defense on third down, where they give up some conversions at 42.3%. So, Texas, your key win third down by winning first and second down, getting into manageable third downs and converting on those, keeping drives alive, will keep that high octane Husky offense on the sideline and keep your offense on the field. This is going to be what I call a volume game as far as drives go. Against our top 25, Texas averages 12 possessions per game. The Huskies actually average about 10 Drives per game, so Washington and Michigan are are similar as far as the number of drives per game go. Texas, your key number two. You cannot settle for field goals against this high octane offense. You average three and a half touchdowns per game, but you're turning the ball over almost two times per game against our top 25. In this ball game, uh turnovers could be absolutely uh hazardous to your health if you're looking to win this ballgame. The next key for the University of Texas: can your wide receivers be as special as the Husky wide receivers? Xavier Worthy. And Mitchell, when you combine their two stats as far as receptions versus yards and touchdowns, they compare very favorably to what the Huskies have put out this year. You're looking at 73 receptions for Worthy, 969 yards receiving, 13. Point three yards per reception, five touchdowns. But when this Longhorn offense meets a big play, out of the wide receiver position, the former Georgia wide receiver, in Mitchell, 51 receptions, but 813 yards receiving, almost 16 yards per reception, 10 receiving touchdowns. Yours and Mitchell have a connection, Huskies. It's imperative that you separate that connection and cause a divorce in this ballgame. The Texas Longhorn defense. We know that they are stout against the run. I mean, we we've seen the stats to where Texas is, for the season, giving up less than 81 yards per game, less than three yards per rush attempt. But against our top 25, we noticed something a little bit different. Against our top 25, teams have found a little bit better success against the Longhorns. 33 rush attempts per game over 115 yards per game on the ground. Not great yards per rush, but 3.5 is certainly better than 2.8, which is what Texas has allowed on the season. And I'll get to that key for Washington uh, when when I break down their side of the ball. The Washington Husky defense has to force Texas to play a very controlled pace game. I would expect the huskies to show a lot more shell coverage in this ball game. Well, they'll give up the underneath stuff to Texas, come up, make the tackle, and force Texas to drive 10. Twelve plays and get them in the red zone where they've kind of, kind of had some struggles here. Because if you're kicking field goals in this ball game instead of touchdowns, that could come back and bite you. The two play callers in this ball game, fantastic offensive minds, and Steve Sarkeesian and Kalen DeBoer. Which one of them makes the critical mistake in this ball game? We saw it for Texas against Oklahoma in their only loss. Early on in the ball game, according to analytics on fourth down, Texas went for it, did not convert. Texas was chasing those three points the entire rest of the ball game and wound up losing that ball game because they chose not to take the points in the first half and instead try to go for the kill shot and and didn't get the points against Oklahoma. If Sarkeesian does that same thing in this ball game and it doesn't work out in the Longhorns' favor, could that be the reason why Texas doesn't move on in the college football playoffs? We saw it with Oregon not once but twice against Washington, both in the regular season and the Pac-12 title game where coaching mistakes were the reason why Oregon's not in this ballgame and Washington is. Texas, your next key in this ballgame, can your field goal kicker continue to hit at a high percentage. Burt Auburn, makes sense to use a kicker for the University of Texas. Perfect on extra points, landing 82.4% of his field goals. If you have to, take the three points in the first half and then figure out what you need in the second half based on the score and situation. Do not get careless and have empty possessions because against this high powered Husky offense, empty possessions is not something you want against Washington. Be aggressive when when necessary, be conservative when it's called for. Texas, your pass defense has has been the weakness of your entire team. We've talked about how how stout the the run defense is. Your pass defense against our top twenty five in six big time matchups is giving up two hundred and sixty yards through the air. seven point two yards per pass attempt. 11 yards per completion your defense gives up almost four touchdowns per game that's not good against a team who is very equipped to putting the ball in the end zone in the washington huskies your defense gives up about 30 points per game against our top 25 So Washington knows coming into this ball game that they can bank, let's say twenty four points based on how your defense has performed against top twenty five as we rank them. You haven't seen a passing attack to the caliber of Washington since the Red River Shootout, where the Oklahoma Sooners got to your secondary. And if I pull up those numbers here, I'm looking at 23 for 38, 61% completion percentage, over 285 yards but the Sooners were able to also eat you up on the ground for 43 rush attempts, over 200 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. I'm not saying that's what Washington's going to get in this ballgame, but anything over 130 yards rushing, Texas could find themselves in deep trouble in this ballgame because that means that Washington is controlling the pace and they're extending drives in this ball game. Texas, your final key in this ball game, control the mental and physical mistakes. We talked about the turnovers. Texas, you averaged seven penalties for over 52 yards against our top 25. What you cannot do is hand Washington extra possessions by having a penalty that gives them a free first down or extends a drive to where Washington's able to get points out of that. Play disciplined football in this ball game. If you're able to do so, you have an opportunity to play for a national championship, something that you have not done since Colt McCoy was facing Alabama in the Rose Bowl over almost a decade and a half ago. For the Washington Huskies, you are, without a doubt, the most battle-tested team in these college football playoffs. Nobody has played in more one-score one games than the Washington Huskies, seven of them. Nobody has faced a better quality opponent than the Huskies, non-quality opponents. Five wins against our top 40. Six wins against our top 25. So you're battle-tested coming into this ballgame. Let's jump into your keys here, and let's start with your Heisman finalist at the quarterback position, Michael Penix Jr. That talented left-handed quarterback, 13 games, 307 completions, 466 yards, 66% completion percentage, 4,218 yards, 9 yards per pass attempt. 33 passing touchdowns, nine INTs. That hammer hit in the backfield. Dylan Johnson, 200 carries. Actually 201 carries. 1,113 yards on the ground, 5.5 yards per carry, 14 rushing touchdowns. Your talented group of wide receivers, Polk and Roma, a combined 141 receptions over 2,428 yards. Both receivers going over 1,000 yards this year. Both receivers over 16 yards per reception. Both receivers over eight touchdowns per game. Texas, how are you going to try to match up with these two talented wide receivers? And, and here, here's the 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 wild card for you. Jake Westover could be a player to watch in this ballgame. Only 35 receptions, only 332 yards, four passing touchdowns. If you're focused too much on those two talented wide receivers, Westover could get matched up against your third or fourth corner. Make some big plays coming across the middle of the field. That's something for you fans to to really take an eye out in this ballgame. We talked about this passing offense for the Huskies. Over 292 yards passing against our top 25. Eight yards per pass attempt. 12.4 yards per completion. And here's a key. The Huskies will have to not abandon the run game. That's key number one. 31 rush attempts, you average 153 yards per per game against our top 25, almost five yards per carry. We know that you're not gonna get that in this ball game against the University of Texas, but can you, can you get 125 yards rushing in this ball game? I think if you're able to, and here's the next key, Throw on first down, set up a, a short second down, convert on third down, which you do at an amazing clip, 53.4% on third downs against our top 25. So you know how to convert on third down. Keep those drops alive against the University of Texas. Get into those defensive linemen's legs, especially Sweat. That's a big boy on that defensive line. If you're able to keep him on the field, go tempo after converting a a third down. This is something that I would see Gus Malzahn do, especially when he was the head coach of of Auburn. Hugh Freeze would also kind of do this as well when he was at Ole Miss now um, at Auburn. Get that third down conversion. Do not allow Texas to substitute. Get back on the ball, and this is when you can start to run the ball because now you got three, four, five plays on those defensive tackles' legs. They're not as fresh. They can't sub in and out. That will pay dividends in the second half for you if you stay true to the game script that I'm giving you. Get that a new down. Get that initial second first down on a drive. Now you've got six, seven plays on that Texas defensive line. Now you can start to see them sucking in a little bit of wind. That's when you want to unleash Dylan Johnson into running the ball a little bit more in this ball game. You're not going to find success early on in the drive sequence running the ball at Texas. The last five opponents that Texas have faced tried that did not go well. You have a much better caliber offensive line and run game at the run back running back position than Texas previous last four or five opponents. But you got to get that initial first down, that initial second first down in a drive to where now you're starting to get into the legs of those Texas defensive players. If I take a look at what you did against Oregon, both in the first matchup as well as the second matchup, I'm going to give you a stat here, ladies and gentlemen, that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Against Oregon in the first matchup, 6.1 plays per drive. 41.5 yards per drive. That's sustaining offense for the Washington Huskies against that team. Let's fast forward to the Pac-12 championship. They were even better in this matchup. 8.7 plays per game, 53.4 yards per drive you're starting to wear that defensive front down when you have that many plays in a drive. If Washington is able to average 6.3 plays per game in this ball game, that bodes extremely well for wearing out that Texas defensive line going into the second half. It's not about the volume of plays you run. It's about the volume of plays you run in each drive in this ball game. If you're able to get, and here's the next key for Washington, if you're able to run, and I'm going to use the last game that we saw these Huskies play, 78 plays they ran against Oregon in the in the Pac-12 championship game. So let's divide that up. And we're going to provide this stat at the half for you. If the University of Washington has more than 35 plays in the first half, that bodes extremely well for them in this contest. If they have 40 plays in the first half. Forget covering the number at that point. Washington could be on the verge of winning this ball game outright provided that they don't have any turnovers in the first half. 35 plays is a minimum that they want to get on this Texas defense in the first half. I'm going to break down the run pass ratio in that in that ball game at the, at the, at the halftime mark. I don't care about the yards rushing if, huge if, if the University of Washington has over 16 rush attempts in the first half, not looking at the yards, I'm looking at the attempts. 16 rush attempts in the first half, that's a key benchmark number. And finally, as far as the first half, benchmark numbers. If University of Washington has 17 points and they find themselves either tied or in the lead, whether it's by a field goal or more in this this ball game that's a recipe for winning for the University of Washington, because like I said, nobody is more battle-tested in the college football playoffs than the Washington Huskies. Let's take a look at that defense now, because there are some keys and there's some some key metrics that the University of Washington has to hold this Texas team to. We talked about what Texas uh, allows as far as their opponents to score touchdowns. You would expect playing in the Pac-12 pack that your defense is going to give up points. That's what we see from the Huskies here, giving up almost 30 points per game to our top 25. Key metric here. Washington has to stop the opponent's run game. Because Washington allows our top 25 opponents to rush for 151 yards per game. You cannot give that up to the University of Texas in this ballgame. You have to cut that number down to under 125 in this ballgame. Key metric for the University of Washington right there. Let's put a circle around that. If the University of Texas gets 151 yards in this ballgame, the University of Texas will be playing for the national championship. I'm calling that shot right now. Bookmark this right now as we're at the one hour and 15-minute mark. If the University of Texas hits 151 yards on the ground in this ballgame, Texas is playing for the national championship. Washington cannot allow Texas to dictate whether they're going to run or pass. They have to force Texas into a throw on all three downs in the second half. If Texas is controlling that line of scrimmage, that does not bode well for the University of Washington in this ballgame. Another key. Look at the third down conversions. We talked about how bad Texas offense is on third down. Washington gives up 42.3% to our top 25. If Texas is converting 40% or better in this ball game on third downs, Texas is playing for the national championship game. If Washington is not able to click on their third down conversion percentage. 53.4% against our top 25. Texas only gives up 20, 20, let's call it 24.5% on third down. That's going to be the biggest indicator as far as who's winning this ballgame. Look at Texas rush attempts and look at the third down conversion for both teams. Look at Washington's rush attempt. He who wins third down in this ball game will probably win this ball game. Washington loves to be about 46% run, 54% 54 pass. Can Michael Penix hit some shots against this Texas Longhorn defense to where they can hit their average of almost four and a half touchdowns per game? That's your next. That's your next key key stat of this ball game. If Washington is able to get five touchdowns in this ball game, and assuming that they convert on all extra points 35 points per game if the huskies are able to get to 35 in this ball game which is their average against our top 25 i love watching the chances of playing for the national championship in this ball game because when the huskies get to 35 points i know that they've won every single ball game but when they get to the magic number of 35 I like their odds of winning in this ballgame. Anything less than 30 points in this ballgame. I don't know if I like Washington at that number. So, Huskies, can you get 35 points per game? Can you get 35 points in this ballgame, I should say? That's going to be key. Will that yards? per completion be over 13 yards in this ball game. If that number, and I will absolutely give this out during the ballgame, if that number is sitting somewhere around 14 yards per completion in this ball game, the Huskies will be playing for the national championship because that means that they're hitting some big plays and getting behind this Texas Longhorn secondary, which is their weakest unit on their defense. If the Huskies are able to hit 14 yards or better yards per completion, I like their odds in this ball game. So, player to watch for the University of Washington in this ball game, and I, I mentioned them earlier. Jack Westover, tight end for the University of Washington, six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's not going to be highly watched in this ball game. But if he's able to get matched up on one of those linebackers or safeties for the University of Texas, especially early in that ball game. Will that force the Texas defensive coordinators to adjust playing a little bit more man coverage and with those wide receivers out on the perimeter where you can't shade a safety over the one or the other. That could be highly detrimental to the University of Texas. Also, here's a little sneak peek. Expecting to put both of those talented wide receivers on the wide or open side of the field several times in this ball game, trying to conf- confuse Texas defensive coverage. Now you can't play a safety over the top of both of them. Now you're going to have to pick and choose which one you're going to play um, with the safety over the top. And that could lead the third wide receiver or That single uh, boundary side receiver one on one with a third or fourth corner while everybody's eyes are looking over to those two wide receivers, rightfully so, that can lead that third wide receiver on a one on one. Michael Penix is not afraid to throw it deep, especially if he sees something that he likes. He'll check out of and look to hit it over the top. Key player for the University of Texas in this ball game. And he hasn't been used a lot. But he's definitely somebody that you're going to have to pay a lot of attention to, especially because of how good Worthy and Mitchell are. And that's Jordan Whittington slash running back slash wide receiver 6 foot 1 200 pounds not big production on the season 38 receptions 435 yards only one touchdown can you find one or two big time plays for him in this ball game to where that's going to force the Washington defense to now have to play every blade of grass on that football field and not just focus all their attention on Worthy and Mitchell and Sanders. Whittington could be a huge X factor in this ball game. Ladies and gentlemen, as we get close to the one hour and 30 minute mark of this podcast, I want to say thank you once again for listening and supporting us throughout uh, this abbreviated college football season. We will be back on a full-time basis next year covering everything from our summer review through getting ready for the 2024 season, a breakdown of teams, conferences, as we see the latest installment of Realignment take take effect. Texas, Oklahoma coming into the Southeastern Conference. Uh, the Pac-12 uh, disbanding with four teams going into the Big 12. Four teams going into the, the Big 10. We'll keep abreast of any developments with Florida State. Um, so everything that's relevant, if we have to do a, an emergency podcast, uh, we would definitely be doing so so uh please give us a follow on twitter at crunch time vip now for our best bet for each of these ball games, and this is something that we'll be doing um, a lot more going into next year bill is giving you the the lines off of our big board as far as where they stand we're going to take some of that information as we've already put in our best bets for this contest and we grabbed the university of alabama when this line first opened up at plus two and a half in this ball game i talked about Coach Harbaugh from Michigan being distracted, flirting once again with the NFL, um, with the Chargers, and um, having some back channel discussions uh, with them as far as their their uh, coaching coaching search. Nick Saban in this in this spot has only lost once in the semifinals since we went to the college football uh, 14 playoff in 2015 and that loss came to ohio state in the sugar bowl where ohio state beat um then the number one seat alabama 42 to 35 and went on to defeat oregon for um a national championship since that loss in the semifinals Nick Saban 38-0 30, against Michigan State the following year in 2017 in the Peach Bowl 24-7 to 7, defeating Washington. 2018 Alabama takes on number one Clemson beats them 24-6 2019, Alabama 45, Oklahoma 34, and that game was over at halftime. A lot of empty yards by Kyler Murray um, in that ball game to to bring that score score back. Alabama misses the playoffs in 2020. Following year, 2021, 31 14 against Notre Dame. 2022, 27 to 6 against Cincinnati. No coach has more wins in this round than Nick Saban. With over 30 days to prepare, no coach is better at getting his team ready for a big time game than Nick Saban. We took the tide at plus two and a half. And we're going to take the tide once again to win this game outright as they will defeat the University of Michigan in this ballgame. I think it's going to be a very close ballgame, but we have the tide moving on to play for the national championship. In the nightcap. the University of Washington making their first trip back to the playoffs since facing Alabama in that 2017 Peach Bowl. Kalen DeBoer has done a fantastic job in this spot, getting his team ready. Same can be said for Steve Sarkisian getting Texas back to a playoff slash BCS um, championship run. Texas has not been in the college football playoffs since we've gone to this format. But Steve Sarkisian does have experience being on the Alabama staff. When Alabama beat Washington, did go on to lose the national championship game that year against Clemson as Deshaun Watson um, led that uh, drive to Hunter Winfrey as the as the clock wound down to beat Alabama 35-31. So Steve Sarkeesian has been through this drill before. As the quarterback's coach for, I'm sorry, he was the analyst for uh, the University of Alabama as Lane Kiffin was still the um, offensive coordinator before taking the job and not being there for the University of Alabama when he went to uh, FAU. Our best bet for this game, and we've already taken it, because we like where the opening line was. We mentioned that nobody plays in closer games than the University of Washington. Nobody knows how to win better in those close games. We took this as soon as the line opened with Washington plus four and a half. We think that even if Texas wins this ballgame, that it will be four points or less. That's why getting the hook was significant. We've seen that that line is now ticked down to where Washington's only plus four in this ballgame. If you like Washington, wait till before kickoff to take that number. I think we're going to see some Texas money come in late to bump that line back up to four and a half. If it goes back up to four and a half, we would take Washington at four and a half. Who wins this ball game? We're going to go with, in a slight upset, the Washington Huskies to win this game outright. So we're setting up for not the rematch, but the Alabama Crimson Tide, and the Washington Huskies to play Monday night, January the 8th. They're at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, for the national championship. Would not be surprised if Texas wins this game outright. That's why we took Washington at the plus four and a half to give ourselves the cover of Washington losing by less than four points in this ballgame. So if you're if you're gonna be on the Texas side here, you wanna go ahead and get that number before that line moves because I don't see it getting down to three and a half. If anything, it will briefly tick back up to four and a half before I think it settles back here at Texas being a minus four favorite in this ballgame. We expect that um line to close where either Alabama is a smaller dog than what they already are to where Michigan's favorite by half a point or even a pick'em. I don't think we're going to see enough money come in to where Alabama's going to be a, a small um, favorite in this ballgame. I don't think we're going to see that big of a shift, especially when you have uh, two uh, national national programs like Alabama and Michigan. So I don't see that line shifting a whole lot more between now and then. That's why we want to take Alabama at the plus two and a half. But as we said, we're also going to sprinkle some money on the Alabama money line to win this game outright as you can still get plus money um, at most shops right now. Don't know if you're going to be able to get that plus money as we get uh, to game day, but if you're on the side of Alabama, you want to go ahead and, and, and get that get that number now. If you're on the Michigan side, you can literally wait till kickoff because it's not going to shift so much to where you're not going to be in a good uh, financial spot. So as we wrap up this podcast here, we have Alabama and Washington playing for the national championship. On behalf of our talented host Summer, who is there on the scene in beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana, and she will be covering uh, at the Caesar Superdome the Texas Longhorn versus the Washington Huskies. Our newest team member Jessica, who will be who is already in Pasadena at the at the Rose Bowl, covering Alabama and Michigan. Billy, who is on his way to Vegas, who will keep us updated as any line movements that he sees, we will be tweeting all of that out uh, between now and kickoff of both semifinal games. I will be here at the at the home base, monitoring everything from from the big board here. On behalf of my entire team for the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, looking forward to 2024 college football season kicking off, believe it or not, folks, in eight months. Enjoy the college football semifinals. Take care, and as always, God bless.